So I'm going to ask you a question right here at the front. What a great bike week crowd. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe in deliverance? Okay, I want all the people that believe in deliverance, just give the deliverer a thank you right now. Give the deliverer. Hey, if you've ever been delivered, you'll believe. Are there any folks that's been delivered in the house? Amen. So I want to teach this thing. Who's going to give me time to unpack this thing on generational curses and blessings today? I'm going to teach reverse the curse. Now, I can, I can talk to you about generational curses and iniquities, and I'm, I'm going to really be systematic, and I'm just going to unpack this today, and I'm going to be thorough in my teaching. So I need you to, to get understanding. The Bible said in all you're getting in Proverbs, get understanding. Now, I can teach this from a perspective of someone who has broken generational curses off of himself and his family. Going to be very transparent with you and tell you some of the things that I have dealt with in my family line. Now, it can get intense when we deal with mom and them. Come on, somebody. But when we deal with mom and them, that don't mean we love, don't love mom and them. That just means there's some stuff that mom and them had that we don't want on me and us. And all, come on, how many of y'all know what I'm talking about? So, in my generational line, there's several things. There's a lot of medical issues. There's blindness in my family. There's diabetes in my family. My grandmother, my father, my sister. They all, I believe, even my father with cancer because diabetes has been clinically proven. It, 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 one of the things that it does, it, it had, causes you to have lung issues. And they say that a lot of times cancer comes from diabetes. And my dad had horrific diabetes. And then my sister actually died recently very young from diabetes. So I had medical issues. My grandfather was legally blind. My father was legally blind. So I have had to break those generational curses off of my life, off of my medical life. I've had to make different choices. Come on, somebody. That also showed that I was serious about these things being broken. In my family, and, and, and I, I'm just going to be honest. I, wanna do, I don't want to dishonor my family. But in my family, there was a lot of mental illness. A lot of my family uh, literally sent, spent a lot of time in, in psychiatric treatment centers, uh, bipolarism. Uh, there was manic depression that was in my family. In my own personal house, there was drug addiction as I was growing up. I mean severe and intense drug addiction and mental illness. I can't tell you how many times I would have to go to the mental ward and go to the psychiatric places to visit my family and I find out that it just didn't exist in my immediate family that I grew up in. It was in my grandfather's family and my great-grandmother's and grandfather's family. All that went from generation to generation. Even my great-grandfather, who was a full-blooded Indian, my great-grandfather had a a, the, he had a spirit of murder on him. He, they said that he took a man, and this was, would have been in the late 1800s. He took a man and held the man out. He was a great big tall man like me. And he held the man, and I've never told this stuff publicly, but he held the man by his hair and cut the man's throat. He hit his own wife so hard 
that he killed his own wife. All that was in my family lineage. All that, that's pretty shocking, isn't it? All that, look where the Lord has done. Amen. From a murdering great-grandfather to a sanctified Holy Ghost-filled preacher. Come on. That's preaching the gospel all over the world. So I have personally taken seriously this whole thing of generational curses. And I'm telling you, everything that tries to get on my children that came from my family, I break it and it's not allowed. Can I find somebody that's ready to break every generational iniquity and curse? Now, the only way to deal with, how many of you are going to just be okay and let me take my time and teach this? Are you interested enough and hungry enough that you'd say, Apostle, don't worry about the clock. Worry about people getting set free. If you're ready for that, just make a little noise. This is, I have not taught anything more important. I gave plenty of time for worship because I knew and I knew that we needed the glory in the house as I taught this. The only way to deal with something like this is just to jump in head first, precious. And the concept of generational curses, it's one of the most intense and thought-provoking subjects in the kingdom in Christian theology. And the problem is that it's so rarely taught, and when it is taught, often it's mishandled by inerrant teachers, teachers who really haven't understood or been inspired by the, by the Lord to teach on the subject. So I want to tell you that no matter what you're teaching, no matter what you're preaching, it, when you hear it taught from the Bible, it should feed your faith and starve your fear. I'm not here to give you any fear. I'm here to feed your faith. Anybody want to have your faith fed this morning? We're going to starve your fear to death. Now, like I said, I know it may be intense to deal with mom and them because you love mom and them, but the reality of it all is this. We're going to deal with generational issues and struggles and curses, and that doesn't mean we don't love our family, but we owe it to our children, and we owe it to those coming after us us that we will not allow the issues that afflicted the family before us to live one more generation. Can I get a witness here? Now, we, 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 we must be open. As I teach this, tell everybody in your neighborhood, you got to be open because we're going to deal with flesh issues, health issues, family issues, sin issues, eating issues. It's quiet now. Bondage issues. Anger issues, fidelity issues, sexual issues, come on, religious spirit issues, negative spirit issues, manipulation. Give me a minute, I'm going to find you. Manipulation issues, attitude issues, poverty issues. I'm ready to break it all in the name of Jesus. But you can't break what you do not understand. You cannot break what you do not understand. So let's get, let's put our thinking caps on today and let's grow in the Lord. Number one, what is a generational curse? I think you have to answer some questions. A generational curse is something you need to understand because you will never conquer what you refuse to confront. So today we're going to confront these things. A generational curse is an uncleansed iniquity that increases in strength from one generation to the next, affecting members of that family 
and all who come into relationship with that family. Now, let me quickly show you a couple of examples. One is an example of a family that walked in generational curses. Another is an example of a family that walked in generational blessings. Now, this family is from the 1800s. There was a man named Max Jukes. Max Jukes, if you can bring it on the screen, he was an atheist. His wife was a godless woman. They had 560 descendants. 310 of these died in poverty. 150 of these were criminals. There were 100 alcoholics, 7 murderers, and more than half the women were prostitutes. If that doesn't look like a family that's operating in a generational curse, I don't know what it is. The descendants of Max Juice Jukes cost the government staggering amounts of money. This family was filled with unspeakable pain, violence, and heartache. This was an example of the family that had generational curses. But then there was a family who operated in generational blessings. There was a man named Jonathan Edwards, a great preacher and evangelist in America. His He was a Christian. His wife was a Christian. They had 1,394 descendants, 294 college graduates, 13 college professors, 30 judges, 75 military officers, one dean of a law school, a hundred lawyers, they were still saved. Come on, somebody. 80 held public office, a hundred well-known missionaries, three U.S. senators, three state governors, three mayors of large cities, one controller of the U.S. Treasury, and one vice president of the United States. Who wants to start a generational line like that? Oh, I got 12 people. I said, who wants to start? Not one descendant was a liability to the government. I don't know about you, but I've made up in my mind that I want to embrace generational blessings. Now, the whole idea of this reality of a generational curse has its beginning, in essence, in the garden. Because of their transgression, Adam and Eve unlocked generational curses upon themselves, but not just upon themselves. The whole human race is dealing with it. Now, the Bible said in Genesis 3, 16, to the woman, he said, I will greatly, this is the, the curse, I will multiply your sorrow and your conception in pain. You will bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil, you shall eat of it, eat of it all the days of your life. There, there were no weeds, there was no death, there was no attack of the enemy. They were in this cocoon of God's blessing, but they got out of that. And the 18th verse said, both thorns and thistles, it shall be bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. The struggle then, y'all, is an old struggle. There's truly nothing new under the sun. Adam and Eve went from a place of great abundance to a great place of great bless, uh, a great struggle. And you say, Apostle, why? Because of sin. Generational curses are rooted in sin. And he said, I will visit the iniquity. Somebody say iniquity. 
Now, it's very important to understand iniquity. Iniquity, I don't want you to confuse punishment with iniquity. He said, I'll visit the iniquity of that sin to the third and fourth generation. It's wrong to think of a generational curse in the way that you think God is punishing one generation for the sins of the next. That is a complete falsehood. Nothing that your parents did can cause you to go to hell and nothing your parents did can cause you to go to heaven. Come on, somebody. We don't go to heaven based on how our parents lived. We go to heaven because we are washed in the blood of the Lamb and we have had an encounter with Jesus. But what I want you to understand is that it does not say that God visited the punishment of the fathers upon the children. It said he visited the iniquity. Now understand this. I want you, I want to teach through iniquities because parents have incredible influence over their children. One generation passes things on to the next. And with that being said, let's even define generational curses in a, in a simpler way. It's the result of ingrained behavior that is passed from one generation to the next. Now, the Bible says that a curse without a cause shall not alight. In other words, a curse is not going to manifest in your family out of nowhere. If there's a curse, there's a cause. Some of y'all say, well, it's God's fault. But what you've got to comprehend is that God is not the source of a generational curse or iniquity. Man is. Man's sin is. And people try to blame God for sin, but sin is always our decision. It's never God's decision. So the question is, how does... How do generational curses gain control of a family? Now, this is going to get real deep, so I need you to pay close attention here. The Lord showed me several things that as it relates to generational curses and iniquities. we got to deal first with the reality of familiar spirits. This is powerful because when something becomes familiar, it means you get used to it. Come on, somebody. Say amen if you're hanging with me. It, when something is familiar, you get used to it. And the word familiar is in the Latinist from the word family. It means pertaining to the family, well acquainted with and accustomed to. And one of the ways that a family falls into generational curses is through the work of familiar spirits. This spirit is so attached to the family for so many generations that that spirit literally becomes a part of that family. That spirit feels comfortable in that family it shows right up at family reunion right there eating ribs and red velvet cake come on somebody it shows right up at family reunion have you ever known it's an entire family that seemed to be marked and decimated by a familiar spirit a family decimated it's like they all dealt with addiction or anger or attitudes or eating disorder or suicide or gossip or jealousy or sowers of discord come on somebody or alcoholism or sexual dysfunction and they and you just say well that's just the Smith's way that's just the Jones way that's just Pa's way that's just Ma's way but I've come to expose the enemy and tell you what it is it's a familiar spirit and it is a generational iniquity and it's a curse that has to be broken 
I need somebody who's understanding the revelation. Open up your mouth and give God praise. Come on, give God praise. You got to examine your family tree and be honest about it. As honest as I was with you at the inception of this message, you got to be able to recognize patterns and characteristics of disease or abuse or struggle or drama. And when you see it, there's a devil loose. Now, here's the question. How does a generational curse take root and control in a family? And to do this, we got to understand sin. Now, I, I want to say it plain. Sin is sin. And the wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But there are different types of sin. Let me help you through the works of God and show you how he can break generational curses. But you've got to understand sin. There's two powerful verses on sin. Isaiah 53.10, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him and to make his soul an offering for what? Say it out loud. I can't hear you. For sin. Okay, Isaiah 53, 5. For he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So we see three types of sin here. Three understandings of sin. There's sin, transgressions, and iniquities. Now hear me. For all have sinned. Romans 3, 23. Don't act like you never sinned. I better say that again. I said, don't act like you never sinned. Don't act like you hadn't sinned since you've been saved. Where are the real folk at? Come on. Look at somebody say, he's talking to you. Come on. Not most have sinned. Not a few have sinned. How many? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now the word sin, if you define it, it means to miss the mark. It means to fall short. And it said for all have sinned and fallen short. All have missed the mark. All have fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the good news. Who would admit that you've missed the mark at least once in your life? Can I find some real people? I said, who would admit that you missed the mark and you've fallen short at least once in your life? Make a little noise if you know you have. I, I know I have. I'm not going to try to be cute about it. So, so, so sin is real. Missing the mark is real. Falling short is real. But then the Bible said, for it pleased the Lord to bruise him and make his soul an offering for sin. <laughs> That's real good news. Come on, somebody. That means that for every sin that you committed, he's been an offering for your sin, and now your sin can be broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. So I need you to stop right there and give Jesus praise that sin does not have dominion over you anymore. You, 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 some of you say, well, you know, I just can't get over what I did. Lord, you know what happened. 
You know that I fell. You know that I struggled. Lord, you remember what happened in 2018. You remember what I did with that woman in 2022. You remember what I did with that man in, in, in 2021. Lord, you remember 1982. Some of y'all, oh, come on. You remember 1979 and the Lord would look at you and say, I don't remember any of it because everything that is underneath the blood of Jesus Christ is not covered. It is canceled. I have sent it away and I need somebody that's thankful that he made his soul an offering for sin. Just give him praise right now. Every time I miss the mark, every time I fell short, he made a way. So there's sin and then there's transgression. Transgression means to trespass. It means to overstep pre-established boundaries. Now, now we can trespass pre-established boundaries against man and God. But what it really means is this. It means to go too far. If you have a piece of property and you have a no trespassing sign, if somebody gets on your property and they disregard the no trespassing sign, then they have transgressed the sign that you have put on your property. And the reality is there are none of us in the room that hadn't gone too far. Lord, there are times in our life when we go too far. Have you ever gone too far? Have you ever gotten too mad? Have you ever said too much? Have you ever allowed the enemy to have too much? I went too far. Have you ever gotten in your car and said, I wish I wouldn't have went that far? Have you ever regretted anything you said and you know that the enemy had his way in that moment? But I have come with good news for you today. The Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions. Hallelujah. What does that mean? For every time that I went too far, for every time that I went too far in a relationship for every time that I went too far with an attitude for every time that I went too far in language for every time that I went too far he was wounded for every trespass somebody give him praise if you're glad of that I thank him for that are you getting this soul is an offering for sin but I missed the mark He's wounded for my transgressions when I go too far. But then there is the matter of iniquity. And iniquity is the source, listen now, of generational curses. Iniquity means to bend, to distort. It implies a weakness towards a certain sin. It's that thing that you're bent towards. And you don't even know why you're bent towards it. Now if you sin and you repent in God's eyes, that's the end of it. But if your sin becomes an iniquity, that means you keep practicing the same behavior and committing the same sin over and over and over and over and over again until it gets deep down inside of you. 
And then when it gets deep down inside of you, your very nature, your heart gets distorted and you're bent towards anger. You're bent towards lust. You're, why do I even go to that website? How can I lead the service and even entertain that thought? How do I get in the car and I'm still mad after I just worshiped the Lord and said, come be the flame inside my heart. And then you get in the, the, the car and you see somebody who makes you mad and you say, burn, baby, burn. Come on. How do I even do that? How am I bent to, why am I angry? Why do things make me mad that should not make me mad? It is gotten in your heart and it's become your nature. And the problem is when you get it inside you, you influence your children. And that same iniquity that is in you gets in your children. And then it gets in their children. And that generational iniquity becomes a generational curse. That sexual bondage, that spirit, that familiar spirit gets in the family. But I've come to tell you that there is the blood that can overcome and break generational iniquity. And curses. Somebody give the Lamb of God a big thank you right now. It's like this. Why am I bent toward that? Where are the real people at? Why am I bent toward that behavior? Have you ever seen alcoholism plague a family? Have you ever seen sexual dysfunction plague a family? Have you ever seen poverty plague a family? Have you ever seen anger plague a family? It tells you that there's a generational iniquity and curse at work. But today, we are taking authority over that. And we are going to see the Lord break generational curses and iniquity in this room. Now, let me, let me, let me do a little teaching here. This is intense. Because this bending and distorting can be passed down the family tree from generation to generation. And it's got to be dealt with. Tell everybody in your neighborhood, it's got to be dealt with. If you're online, you need to share this right now. People on Facebook will get delivered right in their house when I finish this. If you, if you got a phone right now, I, share this. Put it on your family page. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Share it right now. Share it right now. I, heard, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, I want to get in people's houses right now and set them free. Now watch this. The phenomena of a generational curse, I'm going to explain it to you. One person, somebody say one person. One person practices sin, alcoholism, violence, sexual sin, gossip, anger, dysfunction, drama. Do you ever, do you got any people in your family, they are just full of drama? They practice it until it becomes a lifestyle. Once it's entrenched, the sin becomes an iniquity, a weakness towards a certain behavior. It gets inside the family. The spirit intensifies in the family, and the behavior is practiced over and over and over again. The sin becomes an iniquity, a weakness towards a certain behavior. 
the behavior is practiced over and over, allowing Satan to gain uh, control of the mind, the will, and the emotion. That control continues from one individual to the next and passed down to future generations, and it becomes a generational curse and iniquity. It's that bending, and it's that drawing. Paul himself dealt with it. He called it in 2 Thessalonians 2.7. He said it's the mystery of iniquity. He said, I don't even know why I deal with what I deal with. I don't even know why I struggle telling the truth. I don't know why I'm mad all the time. I don't know why I deal with these issues. But the Bible says there is hope when it comes to iniquity. That iniquity, that inner struggle. Huh? It says he was bruised for our iniquities. I need somebody to get on my page and understand that iniquities are inner struggles. They're inner struggles and issues that you deal with that you cannot seem to overcome. But the Bible said that he was bruised for our iniquities. What are bruises? Bruises are outward manifestations of inner bleeding. He said for everything that you struggle with on the inside. I bled on the inside to defeat every generational iniquity in your life. I need somebody right now to give God praise. I need you to look at somebody and say, neighbor, you don't know how I've overcome. Somebody give God praise if you've overcome anything. Paul said it's the mystery of iniquity. I'll look back at my whole family. They all got drama. And that drama wants to get on me. It's the mystery of iniquity. But when you claim the blood of Jesus Christ, when you apply the blood of Jesus Christ, when you check yourself, when you tell that lion, no good devil, those iniquities will not visit my family. I break them off of my daughter. I break them off of my son. I break them off of my children. The things that lived in my family will not live another generation. You owe it to yourself. Tell somebody you owe it to yourself. You owe it to your children. You owe it to your family. You owe it to your call. You owe it to your purpose. You owe it to yourself to break it. You may struggle with some sort of iniquity that you've been dealing with with the past. Maybe you don't practice it. But the seeds are there. Can I speak transparently? I never want to be dishonoring to those that came before me. But sometimes our story of deliverance will encourage somebody else. So I told you about that grandfather that had a spirit of murder, cut the man's throat killed his wife. We had a prophet in the old building, Prophet Kingsley Fletcher. I'm telling you, he was a seer 
extraordinaire. I've never seen anybody like him. And he, he prophesied things. Well, we were in a intense situation with my mother. I love her. Y'all know that I do. But it was an intense situation. And there was a lot of things that were said to me and my sister, a lot of abuse that we wrestled with. And today, my mother's in heaven. Hallelujah. And everything's good. And I love her. But if I told you the things that she said to us, it would be hard for you to believe that I'm standing here today and that my sister went into the ministry. Her words were murderous and wounding. And Prophet Kingsley Fletcher, at the end of the service, I brought my mother back discreetly because in that building, it was so packed out. Y'all remember. And I just said, will you talk to my mother? And he looked at my mom who had just gotten out of the psychiatric ward. And he said to her, he said, do you want to be delivered? And she said, yes. And he said, delivered from what? Come on, somebody. Then he looked at her and he said, I see a man standing under a tree by a barrel. He is a tall man. He's a dark man. I think he's an Indian. He said, eh. he said, I see him standing there and he, he has a spirit of murder on him. She said, do you know anyone like that? And my mother looked at him and said, that is my grandfather. My grandfather was an Indian. My grandfather murdered people. He was a violent man. And he looked at my mother and he said, your father despised that spirit so much that he resisted it. He didn't allow himself to become that man because he hated so much that he had to grow up in that atmosphere. He had to grow up knowing, and after he was grown, that his father murdered his mother. Come on, somebody. That he slapped her early in the day, and they said that night she died in her bed. That he had, he had hurt her so bad when he hit her, he grew up, and he hated that spirit. He didn't even have an understanding. He hated it, but he never broke it. The seeds were still there. And he said, that spirit of murder left your grandfather. It skipped a generation and it landed on you. And he said, you have been operating in a spirit of murder. You, you don't even know it, but with your words, how could he know this? You remember, babe, he said, you've tried to murder the destiny of your own son and your own daughter. You've tried to murder the destiny of those that God gave you and it is a generational curse and I break it right now and I'm telling you when he said that to my mother she fell out like somebody had shot her with a gun I've never seen anything like it what I'm trying to tell you is this it don't matter if you don't practice it it doesn't matter if you're not allowing it in your life you gotta make up in your mind that the seeds of this thing are 
will not live another generation. I might be saved, but my children are going to be saved. I might be free, but my children are going to be free. I might be free, but my grandchildren will not know this iniquity. I need somebody that's tracking with me right now. So I broke it. I didn't resist it. I broke it. And now Peyton and Courtney and Channing, they will never know a day of a spirit of murder. They will never know a day of mental illness. They will never know. Peyton will never know a day. Courtney will never know a day. Yeah, come on. Channing will never know a day. Somebody give God praise if you believe. So here it is. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord made, Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. The answer was the innocent had to die for the guilty. Watch. The answer for the curse is the blood. The innocent must die for the guilty. Tell your neighbor the blood is our weapon. Come on, tell him the blood is our weapon. Somebody say the blood is our weapon. Is there anybody washed in the blood today? I said, is there anybody washed in the blood? Do you declare the blood over your husband? Do you declare the blood over your wife? Are you declaring the blood over your children? I'm telling you, when you declare the blood of Jesus Christ, it breaks the curses and iniquity. I need somebody right now to thank God for the blood. I need somebody right now. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. 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 Oh, tell somebody, I know it was the blood for me. I know. God will always break the curse with the blood. Whose blood? The blood of the Lamb. Throughout the Old Testament, we saw the lambs that were slain. The priests would go in one time a year, sprinkle the blood over the mercy seat. On the Day of Atonement, there were two angels there, two guardian angels on the, on the ark. Come on. Y'all have heard me teach this before. In the Holy of Holies, where the manifest presence of God was, outer court, inner court, Holy of Holies was the manifest presence of God. It was in the presence of God where sin was covered. And they would go in there, that priest would, and there were two guardian angels. One represented righteousness and one represented justice. And how on earth can you settle up with God in matters of righteousness and justice? How could you be just enough for God? How could you be righteous enough for God? But there was a mercy seat in the middle, and that priest would sprinkle blood over the mercy seat. And I'm going to tell you the only way God's justice and righteousness could be satisfied was for mercy to get in the middle. Jesus, through his blood, is mercy in the middle. Oh, I'm trying to tell you, when they dropped that blood on that mercy seat, mercy got in the middle, and it satisfied the justice of God and it satisfied the redemptive power of God was manifest and it satisfied the righteousness of God. Now 2,000 years ago when they went into the empty tomb 
the empty tomb became like an ark of the covenant on either end of the tomb there was an angel and one represented the righteousness of God and one represented the justice of God but there was a stone that he laid on and he became mercy in the middle and he rose from the dead and he gives us power today tell somebody I'm only here because mercy got in the middle. Oh, I dare you to give God praise for mercy. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Every curse can be broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every curse. Tell somebody in your neighborhood, just say, pardon me. I need 30 seconds. I need 30 seconds to give God praise for mercy in the middle. Come on, we about to break generational curses. Oh, you run, that's okay. You get radical, that's okay. Mercy's in the middle, baby. Mercy's in the middle. You know what? I hear your Holy Ghost. I hear the Lord say, let them rejoice for 20 more seconds. You just do it. One, two, three, rejoice. Somebody say mercy in the middle, mercy in the middle, mercy in the middle. All right, let me go on. I'm trying to wind this up. Sit, sit down, precious. Jesus shed his blood to break the curse. All righteousness and justice is satisfied because of the blood of Jesus. Unto the blood of the sprinkling that speaketh better things. That's what the Bible says. Than that of Abel. Scientists have invented a machine whereby they can hear the sound as blood dies because blood has life in it. And they, can, they, they, they said blood makes noise, y'all. And it says unto the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. When Abel was murdered by Cain, his blood cried up from the ground and said, murder him, he murdered me. Kill him, he killed me. Take vengeance on him, he, he did me wrong. But to the blood of the sprinkling that speaks better things, the blood of Jesus cries up from the ground. And you know what it says? Forgive them, restore them, put their world back together again. How many of you are ready to reverse every curse? Come on, come on. There's not a curse that can't be broken through the blood. Rahab did it. She was a prostitute who married a Jew and had a baby. <laughs> she wound up in the lineage and line of Jesus. Come on, there was a man, an, an adulteress named Ruth who was a Moabitess who worshipped idols and then got herself in, uh, in Israel and turned her life around and married Boaz. Come on now. 
and got in the line of Jesus. Watch. Rahab married a Jew named Joshua. Boaz married Ruth. And Ruth was jacked up. Rahab was jacked up. But they had Jesse. Jesse had a son. That son's name was David. Come on, Rahab, Rahab's in there. Y'all don't want me to preach. Rahab's all up in there. You got, you got, you got Ruth all up in there. But they broke the curse. And then they had a son named David. And then David is the direct descendant of Jesus. And if David is the direct descendant of Jesus, therefore Rahab is. And I'm telling you, Ruth is. And I want you to understand that every curse can be broken by the blood of the Lamb. Is there anybody ready to break every curse? Who will give me five more minutes? Wave at me if you give me five more minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20. Okay, confession breaks the curse. Confessing the blood. The Bible says something very importantly, important here. Don't misquote me. I don't believe that something your great granddaddy did can send you to hell. I don't believe anything your grandmother did can get you into heaven. What I do understand is that confession breaks the curse. That's why you acknowledge and repent of the sins of previous generations. You're not saying that's my sin. You're saying I'm acknowledging that that sin lived in generations before me, but it's not going to live in me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't, th this is not, this is not us trying to gain salvation or, or us thinking that we can be saved or we can be judged because of the sin of our forefathers. It's us acknowledging that it's been in our family and we're going to break it. Now the Bible says, but if they confess their sins or their iniquity, somebody say iniquity, that bending, that generational iniquity, that generational curse of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me. For they also have walked contrary to me. Watch verse 42. Then I will remember my covenant. How many of you are ready for the Lord to remember his covenant? Not just for you, but your children and your children's children. And the seed, look at, look at Nehemiah 9 2. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from the strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities, the what? The iniquities of their fathers. Jeremiah 14 20. We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. Now listen, whether the seeds are planted by you or your forefathers, They'll sprout for generations to come, and you can't mow them down. You got to pull them up. And by the power of the blood of Jesus, you can pull it up. So today we're going to break generational curses. Generational curses of poverty, 
depression, shame. Come on, poverty. You say, well, I'm not worried about poverty. Poverty actually breeds depression. Poverty actually breeds shame. Poverty actually even breeds crime. How many of you, I grew up poor, but how many of you in the name of Jesus are going to break poverty off of your family? So, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you through the process. You want to go? I said, do you really want to go? Okay, I want everybody that wants to break any generational curse, I want you to move out in the aisle. I want you to come stand in the front. And I want, I, that should be 100% of us. Come on, stand up. If you want to break anything that came on your family, that come from the balcony right now. Come on, let's take this last few minutes. John, come sing something while they come. Come on. Come on. Let's get this atmosphere. Let's get this atmosphere. There, there, there is an atmosphere. If you don't want to come all the way to the front, just move out in the aisle. Just, I hear the Lord say, just make a move. Just make some kind of move. Because not only are we going to break generational curses, we're going to unlock generational blessings. So I need the people that are ready to break generational curses. Make a little noise right now. Make a little noise. And, and I want to hear from the people who are ready to unlock generational blessings. Make a little noise right now. We're going to get unlocked from generational curses. We're going to get locked into generational blessings. Now, I want to tell you how very much I love each of you. I want to tell you that my heart is for you, that my heart is for the kingdom, that my heart is for your family, that my heart is for your children, that my heart is for the generations that are to come. When I look at everything that's going on in the world, Father, we pray for Israel. Come on. We pray for Israel because they're your people. We pray for Israel and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and we pray for the innocents in Israel, Gaza, protect. Come on, help me, y'all. We bless Israel. But I want you to understand something. As I stand before you today, that my motivation and my heart is very clear. I see, I see so many things happening right now. I see, you know, you've got Hamas. You've got Hezbollah in the north. You've got Iran playing over here. You've got Russia, Gog and Magog lining up. You've got the Euphrates that has dried up. Think about this. You've got, am I right? They got so many things going on that tell me that Jesus is coming again. And it's going to be soon. I feel like it. I don't have control over it, but I feel like it. So if, if you're here and you'd say, Apostle, I need to be saved first. If you need to make sure you're right with God, just raise your hand if there's sin in your life. I'm not going to try to sneak you up hands all over the place. So let's pray this prayer together. Pray, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, forgive me of all my sins. Take my heart, wash it clean, make me new, change me forever. In Jesus' name. So give God praise. Somebody just gave their heart to the Lord. Okay, here's the process. Number one, there must be full surrender. There has to be something in you that radically and completely surrenders to the Lord where you say God 
I surrender it all to you. I give it all to you. The Bible said, therefore, if we submit to God in James, we resist the devil, he will flee from you. So we must be willing to submit to God. Who's willing to submit to God today? Come on. All right. Then we have to claim the blood. But if they confess their iniquity, the Bible said, and the iniquity of their fathers with their unfaithfulness in which they were unfaithful to me and, and the, 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 the way that they walked contrary to me, I will remember my covenant. So, so we claim the blood. Number three, we confess all sins of our forefathers living and dead and any participation that we may have had in it. Number four, this is important. You hearing me? I said, are you hearing me? I said, are you hearing me? Okay. We walk in total forgiveness towards our family. That there are things that happened to me growing up. And there are times, look at me. I'm not going to tell you that I'm perfect. There are times and seasons when I have to get up and decide I'm going to forgive them again today. You understand what? Have you ever been so cut and you push it out? And then the enemy tries to bring it back and you say, no, 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 no. I already dealt with that. So I'm forgiving them again today. Who's ready to walk in total forgiveness? Total forgiveness. And then you ask the Lord to cleanse you and the generations that come after you. You're getting in faith. You're asking for the Lord. Lord, don't just stop with me. Send that cleansing to my generation. And then you break the curse you break that line the bible said that jesus declared i will give you keys to the kingdom whatever you buy whatever somebody say whatever whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth is loose in heaven then you then you use the name of jesus the Bible said, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, Jesus said in John, he will give it to you. And then you break every curse and you declare them to be broken. Hallelujah. Then you speak blessings over your children and over all generations to come. You say, Apostle, how can I do that? John 8, 36 there says, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Hallelujah. In action, in everything that you do. I dare somebody who's ready to be free indeed. Lift up your voice and give God a praise. I want my actions to reflect that I am free. So as I break these things, look at me now. As I break these things, these physical things, these spiritual things, these emotional things, are you hearing me? Then I determined to change my behavior. Then I put myself in the Word. Then I become a worshiper. Then I pray. And when I break it off of me, it cannot come back. It cannot control me as long as I keep it in check. But tell somebody you got to change your habits. Come on. You can't break off diabetes and then leave here and go eat half of a red velvet cake. Come on, somebody. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. So, so we're, tell your neighbor, you got to break the habits. You got to break the habits. The curse 
is broken, but now you have to break the habit. So, so are you ready? I said, are you ready? Online, hundreds of people, if not thousands, we're going to do it together. If you're ready, somebody say, I'm ready. All right, I want you to raise up your hands. Say, in the name of Jesus, I come to you, Lord, by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, that your blood is mercy in the middle. Lord, I confess every sin in my life. I confess it before you. Wash me in the blood. Make me brand new. I do my first works again. Now, Lord Jesus, I also confess the past sin of my forefathers, any that were before me, any that were before me who operated in sin. I confess it now. I don't allow that iniquity in my life. I break every generational curse off of me. I break every generational iniquity off of me. What afflicted my forefathers will not have dominion over me and it will not have dominion over my family. So now we're going to get real. Say in the name of Jesus, I break each and every generational curse. I break abandonment, anger, anxiety, fear, control, adultery, and the occult. I break it off of my family. I break, oh, I feel this. I break hereditary sickness, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, blindness, high blood pressure, glaucoma, arthritis, ulcers, breathing problems, shouted out blood disorders, bone degeneration, all hereditary sickness. I break it off of myself and I break it off of my children. Come on, I break mental illness. I break mental illness, problems, death, suicide. I break off eating disorders. Say it, I break off eating disorders, overeating. My children will be healthy. They will not flow in anorexia. I break bulimia. I break any kind of eating disorders that will destroy our bodies. I break alcoholism. I break drug addiction. I break deception. I break sexual immorality. Anything outside God's design, homosexuality, extramarital affairs, pornography, all perversion. I break it. I break off failure. I break off greed. I break off mental illness. Come on, we are gaining ground. We are gaining ground. Hold your hands up. Say, I break divorce. I break unforgiveness. I break depression. I break rejection, sorrow, gossip, worry, peer pressure, greed, bitterness, anger, temper, unworthiness. Come on, wounds, frustration, smoking, shame, trauma, sexual abuse, unbelief, 
unworthiness, victimization, violence, rejection, religion, pride, elitism, poverty is broken now in the name of Jesus Christ. I declare it's broken off of me.
you know there is. So I'm going to ask you to do this. Nobody leave for just one second. I'm done. But here's what I want you to do. If you have any family member with you, if you have a family member with you, even if they're in a different place in the church, go find that family member right there and stand with them. If you don't have a family member with you, that's okay. I'm going to let you stand with the family of God. But if you've got a family member with you, reach over and touch that family member right now. Okay? And if you don't have a family member in the room, reach over and take a, touch a sister or a brother in the Lord right now. Come on. Peyton, I want you to come up here. Dawn and Channing. And Courtney. I love them Rayleys. I love Kay, too. And I love Donna, too. And guess what? We broke some stuff today, Kay. We're not going to let it get on our children. Me and you went through some stuff. But we're not allowing it to touch our babies and our grandbabies. Is that right? Is that right? Now, this is my family. Don't I have a good family? I just love them so much. I'll tell you what, I'll fight a booger for every one of them. I sure will. So y'all reach over and touch each other. I know y'all love each other, but we want to show them that we do. So you reach over and you touch either somebody in the family of God or, some, or your own family. It's not enough that we break generational curses. We now want to release generational blessings. Are you ready? So the Bible said, therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps His covenant and mercy to a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. Somebody that's coming after you is going to be real glad that you were in the earth. So here's what we're going to declare. And after we declare it, we're going to radically receive it. Are you ready? Say, in the name of Jesus, every curse is broken. I break it by the blood, sin, transgression, and iniquity is broken off my life. Curses have no power. Every familiar spirit has to go. And now, because I've followed the process of the Word of God, my family, me and my family, are generationally blessed. Somebody give the Lord a Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Come on, let a roar rise. Let a roar rise. You ought to get up at your house and walk around if you're watching online. You chase something out of your family and it's going to be gone for good. Are you glad you came today?
Oh, man, I love you so much. Now, here's what's going to happen. I'm about to bless you. Who, who wants me to speak a blessing over you? I just want to do it because I, I, I have the opportunity to steward your lives in the Word. Jesus is the King. I'm just a servant. But I would love for somebody to speak a blessing over me. So when y'all think about me, bless me. Bless my children and my family. Because we sure do need it. But I want you to understand how important it is to get the lost in this building. I want you to understand how we are putting our whole heart. I'm putting my whole heart into this message. The staff is. We're going to have this place looking like a wedding. And it's going to be the most beautiful illustrated sermon I think that we've ever done. It's going to be breathtaking. And if you will bring the lost, if you will invite your friends and neighbors, they may not come to a normal service, but they would come to a service like this. Invite them to a, basically a wedding. Fill out the RSVP. It's going to be the greatest Sunday ever. I'm asking the Lord, Lord, just make it like Easter in November. It's time change Sunday. You're already going to be awake. I love that time. Oh, hallelujah. Get extra. Oh, I felt the old-fashioned Holy Ghost on that. You get extra. I felt the old time, you know. You get an extra hour of sleep already. So invite somebody to come. I can't do it, y'all. I can invite the people I influence, but I can't invite the people you influence. And I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to listen. As the shepherd of this house, you know, I'm the shepherd of the great shepherd. you got to understand something. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. Look at somebody and say, bah, come on. Yeah. So I need you to invite somebody. And if you will, I promise you, look at me. I promise you I'll be pray. I'll pray. I promise you I'll fast. I promise you I'll do my very best. I'll do my very, very best. If you'll bring them, Jesus will save them. Stop by in the back. Get the RSVPs. If you're visiting, I'm going to grab a swig of water, and I'm going to go back there and meet every guest. But can I bless you right now? All right, now this is why it's so important. After a service like this, you need to find a foundations class. You need to find a discipleship class. You need to find your class and grow in the Lord. Amen? So hold your hands up. So now, Lord Jesus, we just declare that you have moved in such a mighty way in this room. Lord, you have touched people all over this room, and you have moved supernaturally even online for thousands of people. And now we pray, Lord, that you would seal it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that when the devil comes in and tries to reintroduce anything that has been broken, that we resist the devil, hallelujah, and he flees from us. We're going to walk now. You said walk in the liberty. So we're going to walk in this liberty. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you for every generational curse that is broken. We love you, and we bless your precious name. Now, if you love him, give him the greatest ovation. You want to say something? Hey, Pastor Don wants to say something because we're going to have a prayer revival starting next week. Don't forget, Sunday morning, Sunday night, we're going to fast for three days. Tell your neighbor, you can do it. Just say, I can look at you and tell. You can do it. Come on.
I just want to mention, if there's young adults in the room, that tonight is a young adult service. Yeah. Okay, I can tell you, it's going to be good. So it's going to be in the youth chapel right here in the back. But also, I just felt prompted to just say this as well. Now that you've been cleansed of all iniquity, mind, soul, body, and spirit, maybe some of you have objects or things in your home that need to be cleansed. Because I know there's little subtle things, like there's this evil eye that's very trending in fashion right now. But that that's like an old Greek curse that people believe they wear this evil eye to ward off the curse of the evil eye. When, when you have things and you think you're wearing it or it's in your home to ward off demonic spirits, it's not warding off demonic spirits. It's opening the door to the enemy. So anything like that that you have in your home from your past or that someone has given you, hey, if you're not aware, if someone gave you something and you're not truly aware of what the meaning of that was, trash it, you know? But just as we have cleansed our spirit, man, now let's also make sure that anything else that we have in our possession, that we get rid of that too. And then we declare what the word of God says over us this week. Amen. So I want you to understand too, just to clear, I'm not an Aquarius. I'm not a Sagittarius. I'm not a Pisces. I'm a child of the king and I'm washed in the blood. Before you leave today, just tell everybody in your neighborhood, man, I needed this. Tell them I needed this. Y'all, I love you so much. I'll meet you in the back, all of our guests. Thanks for watching the message. I'm sure this spoke to you. Here's what I want you to do. Why don't you subscribe to this YouTube channel? That way, every time there's a new message, you'll get to hear it. Also, many of you have watched this. Some of you watch on a regular basis. Why not take time? And so you can give at calvaryfl.com. You can give on your phones and you can be a part of helping us take this message around the world. The message of hope, the message of Jesus Christ. Can't wait to see you back here real soon.